Oi, oi, people. Silky here, deaf of guitar pop, and you are listening to Stateside Madness because madness are the bollocks. <laughs> I'd like you to meet Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Welcome back. Hello, Stateside Madness fans. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. We're excited to do this episode, but before we do, Polly, I understand you have some news for us? Uh, That we do. Let's get right to the communicator. So what's going on is um, I'm planning another trip back to the UK. Um, Our friends, Death of Guitar Pop, were gracious enough to invite me to their electric ballroom show. And silly enough to think that I might not say yes to that. So I'll be heading to the UK in March. And because I'm doing that, I'm going to kick around for a couple of weeks, hit a few different cities, I thought maybe it would be smart to reach out to my UK Facebook friends and say, hey, does anybody want to get together? Lo and behold, people do, it would seem. So I've got a lot of response on that. So we are going to be doing some get-togethers, stateside madness, but in the UK. And that means if you are in London on the 19th of March, If you're in Glasgow on the 25th of March, Newcastle on the 28th of March, or in Coventry on the 30th of March, then look forward to getting together for some drinks, some hanging out, potentially taping a little bit on the podcast uh, so you could be interviewed and talk about your experience being a Madness fan. And uh, it'd be just Great to hang out. Besides, uh, like I said, there's been a lot of interest so far. I was very surprised. So we're sorting out details, locations, times, things like that will be forthcoming. And what we're going to do is post them on Stateside Madness, the Facebook group, all forms of social media. We will also post them on some other sites as well. So everybody stay posted. What time is it? Showtime! Well, thanks for that, Polly. So we are now continuing with our series on madness-adjacent bands. Our last episode, you might recall, was Voice of the Beehive, which featured Woody and Betters. And today we're going into 
the Lee Thompson Scott Orchestra, one of our favorite side projects. Now, uh, we had actually hoped to interview one of the members of the band. Now, we've already interviewed one of the members. That was Louis Vaz. We interviewed him, I think, last year, probably probably right around this time. Uh, but we had reached out to Darren Fordham, a.k.a. Forty, and we had hoped to interview him. We had some technical difficulties that made the online interview a little bit difficult. But Polly, uh, it sounds like he may be open to a face-to-face -face interview with you while you are in the UK. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, he'd really love to do it. You know, we'll only know when and if it happens, these things can get a little bit squidgy. You know what I mean? And uh, to be fair, not everybody's like hanging around London waiting for me to show up. These people have lives. So we'll see what happens. Well, I was actually looking forward to seeing 40 online because I wanted to show him and see if he remembered my copy of The Benevolence of Sister Mary Ignatius because he sent me a copy autographed by the band when this came out back in 2013, I think. So I wanted to hold it up and say, hey, do you remember this? But uh, that's the album that we're going to be talking about today. It's called The Benevolence of Sister Mary Ignatius. And it was recorded in 2012 at Ironworks Studios in Brighton. And it was co-produced by Mike Pelanconi, a.k.a. Prince Fatty. So uh, Lee, being in the know and in demand himself, knows everybody, it would seem. And so consequently, he has this idea for our side project. He goes to recruit only the cream of the crop. And so this is literally a who's who of some pretty decent players, some real heavy hitters around, you know, the ska-centric uh, scene around London. So, of course, we've got Lee El Tomo Thompson, and, of course, playing tenor sax, and in this band formation, also doing lead vocals. We've got Mark Betters, of course. No stranger to us. He's playing bass. We have Kevin Born Ready Burdett, also you might know that Kevin had previously played with Madness when Chris took a little leave of absence, we'll call it. We have Louis Vaz, referred to as Diamond Legs. I'd love to know why. It's because of his dance moves. He told us. <laughs> it's because of his dance moves. Haven't you ever watched in uh, the Crunch video? He's got the fancy footwork. Uh, okay, so yes, I I think uh, that's coming back to me a little bit. Yeah, and I, I I guess I do remember him talking about that. But what can I say? I'm old. I forget these things. So yeah, <laughs> Louis Louis, of course, being a premier piano player. Seamus, nice man, Bagan. Now Seamus is playing organ. Now Seamus as well, just like we talked about with Kevin Burdett. It would happen that when Barson quit the band, Seamus stepped in. Seamus also uh, noteworthy for, for having played with Elvis Costello. Then we have Darren, who we just spoke about, Darren Forty Fordham. He was backing vocals, harmonica, and percussion for the most part. We have Stephen Rue Rooney on drums. Lord Terry Edwards. Yeah, that Terry Edwards. Alto sax, flute, and eggs, it would seem. Eggs? Yeah, that's the percussion instrument that you shake. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Mm -hmm. Good good to know. Uh, Jack the Hat Mitchell, trombonist. 
Steve Lightning Turner, baritone sax, and Stephen Chalky, no, not that Chalky, but Stephen Chalky White on trumpets. You know, one question that I had really wanted to ask 40, and I had been dying to know since they started this project, why is it called the Lee Thompson Scott Orchestra? Because orchestras traditionally have bowed string instruments, you know, like cello or violin, and they seem to be lacking that here. So I was just curious if that was like a tongue-in-cheek thing, you know, if that was them being clever. Yeah, uh, hard, hard telling, not knowing, save for, uh, if you remember Big Band Jazz, uh, Tommy Dorsey Orchestra, also no strings. Oh, really? So, you know. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, do, I think the term was adapted at a certain point around the, you know, 30s, 40s, or 50s to more or less encompass a large band. I gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Professor Polly. You are welcome. So if you're new to the podcast, when we do an album deep dive, Polly and I tend to go through track by track. We play a little bit of each track and then we discuss it. So that's what we're going to do for this album. And we're going to start with the first track on side one, which is Guns Fever. Let's listen. fun way to start off the album. Polly, what do you know about this one? So Guns Fever, originally a Baba Brooks song, uh, came out in 1965. Um, a very prominent song for the Trojan label. Um, about this time, mid-60s, they were really solidifying as a power player. And Baba, deeply associated with uh, Scatolites back then. So no wonder this player, this uh, song has a lot and lot and lot and lot of the heavy hitters from the Trojan scene playing on it. So it's really got kind of a ska meets Western vibe to it. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Return of the Lost Palmas 7 in that respect, but it is very different. I mean, it's not, not to say that it's, you know, a copy of that by any stretch of the imagination. Fun song. Uh, yeah, that it is. And, um, you know, I'm I'm taking a bit of a leap here, but uh, like we've heard the ska sound develop from, uh, you know, bleed over from New Orleans sound and R&B radio stations that managed to reach Jamaica. Uh, I would say by the same token that um, American television in the 50s and 60s was pro probably also being received in Jamaica and hence the strong Western influence, I would think. It comes up time and again. You know, there's Prince Buster, Texas. Um, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of people um, in the Jamaican music scene, not s specifically ska, but really taking on that sort of Western cinematic mm -hmm. sound. 
yeah, so you'll find it's uh, it's pretty prominent. It comes up time and again. Fantastic. So next up is Bangarang. Let's take a listen. Right, Lori, what's your take on Bangarang? Oh, it's a fun song. This is a fun one. And it's one of those that once it gets stuck in your head, good luck getting it out. Let me just say. I don't know for certain, but I suspect that maybe there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hanky panky kind of stuff going on here. Am I off base on that? No, 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 you're not. And okay. um, yeah, so that's... Uh, Something that in the mid-60s in Jamaica was not uncommon to have very overtly sexual themes in the music. Not only isn't it, you know, sort of prominent in a lot of Jamaican music, but it's not even coded or particularly uh, nuanced or they're not being shy about it. It's pretty much in the forefront. So, yeah. No, no surprise there. Now, originally, uh, Bangarang was Lester Sterling and Stranger Cole recorded it. That was in 1968. But you can actually find versions where either Stranger Cole or Lester Sterling are the only people who happen to be listed on it. So I don't know what the reason is for that. Somebody listening out there could tell me. I'd love to know. But um, the definitive version, and of course, is credited to both of them. Now, on the LTSO version, uh, we've got Don Penn singing on it. Those of you who don't know who Don Penn is, she was very, very popular in Jamaica during the Rocksteady period of, you know, sort of like 1964 to 1969. Also, Sharon Shannon playing accordion on it. Now, I am not that familiar with Sharon Shannon, but I do believe she is um, an Irish accordion player. Again, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that is the case. But nonetheless, a fantastic, fantastic version of the original. And I think between Guns Fever and Bangarang, you're seeing a theme develop with uh, the benevolence of Sister Mary Ignatius, where... There's just a slight increase in tempo on some of these classic songs. The production is flushed out a little bit better. And the decades, you know, since the production values also increased drastically. So a lot of early recordings can sound a little, little bit muddy and you really have to get headphones on to distinguish parts. Here, um, everything's crystal clear. Just a fantastic, fantastic production value on the whole record. Oh, for sure. And definitely Lee getting back to his ska and, and reggae roots. 
I mean, this there was a lot of stuff on here that I've never heard of before. I, I know, Polly, you're more schooled in this particular area of music history, and I'm really not. So this, for me, was kind of a primer into, you know, Jamaican Jamaican music history in, in many ways. So, so now we're coming up on a remake of the old Allman Brothers band song. Yeah, I did a double take when I heard this. This is Midnight Rider. Midnight Rider, as I previously mentioned, Allman Brothers Band song, I think most famously covered by Joe Cocker. What do you think of this cover, Polly? Well, this song has been covered, I would say, probably in the hundreds of times by now. And uh, because it's got such a real basic groove and chord structure, it's an easy song to play but very adaptable. And our friends over at Bad Manners, they also covered it and uh, did a fantastic, fantastic version. And I do know it's been covered by a whole host of uh, reggae artists as well. So it's kind of a no-brainer, really, for Lee to take this on um, with this band. I would say this, to me, is probably one of my favorite versions I've heard of it. But, uh, you know, just the very theme of the song. It's all attitude. Yeah, what's not to love? Attitude, definitely. It's all about a man on the run. I love the lyrics. I've got one more silver dollar, but I'm not going to let him catch me. No, not going to let him catch the Midnight Rider. And that is Lee's unmistakable voice on this song. So, uh, fun fun remake and up next a cover of the desmond decker's classic it is fu manchu Sense at all to save 
right then, Lori, tell me you don't love this version of Fu Manchu. Well, it's the only version I know. <laughs> I, you know, at first, I was thinking of there was a a song by Frank Black called Fu Manchu that came out in the early '90s, and obviously, this has nothing to do with that. It's Desmond Decker. And, you know, it's up there. It features on a lot of his greatest hits albums or things like that. So it's not like a very obscure one, but it doesn't really register in the pantheon of great Desmond Decker songs with people, which I don't know why. It is far and above my favorite Desmond Decker song, if for no other reason than what it's trying to achieve um, lyrically, you know, it's talking about vanity. It's talking about ambition. It's very, very crafty in the way it talks about it. And yeah, I mean, there's just so much to love about it. This was actually the first single off of the album. It was the first single I think we heard from the Lee Thompson Scott Orchestra, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a good first choice. The single features Biddy McLean on vocals. Now, I'd never heard of him, but apparently he's a pretty big British reggae singer. Uh, yeah, that he is. So he's really sort of like uh, one of the definitive artists in the lover's rock genre. And um, oh. yeah, so he's all, you know, he's he's very good, uh, a technically proficient singer, but also just tons and tons and tons of swagger you know um and a, a handsome fellow besides if you look up on the jules holland program the lee thompson scott orchestra was a guest on that they actually did have biddy mclean with them mm -hmm. um great version great video to look up online uh you'll love everything about it fantastic we have another fun one next this one is called alibaba my dream last night was about Alibaba with the four thieves talking, talking about the sun. It begins with a very recognizable sample from Snow White. What do you think of this one, Polly? Well, the original is by John Holt. And John Holt used to be with a band called the Paragons. And, oh, gosh, um, this uh, song came back into my consciousness uh, a couple of years ago with the release of the movie uh, documentary Rude Boy, which is the story of Trojan Records. So this is on the yeah this is on the soundtrack. It is a good song, but it is peculiar. At least the original is. So in the original John Holt song, you know, lyrically it's all about Alibaba. It's about you know all the these fairy tale characters and on and on and on. Yeah, That's, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, Mice, Little Bo Peep. 
Yeah, it's it's very weird like that. And then he's got this very casual singing voice. And it's very slick. And it's very almost like a, a bad, you know, Bob Ross type of, you know, <laughs> hypnotic jive kind of singing. It's a weird ass song. And I was never crazy about it. Really? Okay. Yeah. But, um, you know... They do a little bit with this version to try to, I'll create a new word here, adultify it maybe, Um, make it a little bit, you know, the tempo, like I said, tempo is just a little bit, you know, a little bit more peppy, you know, that helps a lot. But the vocals are not, still not enough punch to it, you know, to, to break away from that dreamy, you know, ethereal kind of. yeah you know but it's still pretty good better version a better version i'd say than the original okay well it's worth noting that on this song the baritone sax is darren the sizzler smith and the trombone is played by bob the bone dowell i love how everybody on this album has a nickname and i'm wondering how many of these are legit nicknames and how many of them were specifically assigned for the record sleeve <laughs> yeah, hard telling, but they do have kind of a little bit of a, a mob thing going on there. <laughs> right, right. All right, up next, it is Mission Impossible. You will all recognize this. Okay, Lori, for a take on the Mission Impossible theme, what are you thinking? Oh, this is my favorite track on the album. This is absolutely my favorite track. So obviously it comes from the TV series, which started in 1966 and ran through 73. And then later was picked up by the Tom Cruise films. The theme was composed by an Argentine composer, pianist, and conductor named Lalo Schifrin. And it's notable for being in five-fourths time, which you don't see a whole lot of. So it, it musically, it's very interesting in that respect. I think it's a really good faithful cover. And it, it is kind of keeping in the tradition where Madness had done a few, not really so much TV themes, you know, when Madness was doing like Swan Lake and Hall of the Mountain King. I mean, I guess they did Tarzan's Nuts. But I, I like when they do you know, ska versions of something like this, kind of flipping what we know on its head a little bit. So I'm a big fan of this song. What do you think? Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, you know, it's a very uh, recognizable song. And so why not do a different version of that? I, I sometimes think these things come around because you're just going to practice at a certain point. And oh, yeah. it would not would not surprise me that uh, gentlemen of that era... Maybe didn't all learn that, you know, um, 
Uh, I remember as a kid, you know, you would practice Pink Panther theme, Hawaii Five O, um, and Batman. You'd practice all that on guitar. So why wouldn't you do Mission Impossible? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, th- those are the songs that they would have grown up hearing, right? That they would have. Yeah. Okay, next up. This one is dedicated to you, Polly, who you are on Eastern Standard Time. So here's the song. Yes. So, yeah, you are on Eastern Standard Time. I am on Central Standard Time. Tell us about the song. So this was a Don Drummond song. I do believe um, he actually composed it as well. Now, the backing band on it is the Scatolites. No surprise there. Um, That was something they did a great deal of, um, along with their own stuff. Uh, They were also pretty big heavy hitters as um, session musicians. So Eastern Standard Time. Well, Eastern, yes. Eastern Standard Time, that's the time zone that Jamaica is in. So that's probably where the inspiration for the song came from. Right? Yeah, I would, ima- I would imagine. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's not a song that's written a great deal about. I don't What's What's the word I'm looking for? It's like a nice mood piece. You know, it's it's got a good kind of bright, uplifting vibe to it. I wouldn't disagree. All right. Oh boy, up next, this is one of my favorites. So here we go, it is Hot Reggae. think about hot reggae now this was not a traditional reggae song this was actually a james brown cover wasn't it i i don't know if james brown did this song at any point okay but i do believe this was originally byron lee and the dragon airs oh okay all right yeah i mean i know the full title of the song is hot reggae hot pants she got to use what she got to get what she wants that's the full title that it is, yeah. So, like you said, yeah, the sort of uh, not-too-hidden sexual theme in there. But, can't help it, That's a that will fill a dance floor, that song will. All right, so next up we have Hello, Josephine. 
Well, hello, Josephine. Well, how do you do? Do you remember me, baby? Like I remember you. You used to laugh at me and holler, ooh, ooh, ooh. I used to walk you home. I used to hold your hand. You used to use my umbrella every time it rained. You used to cry so much. It was a crying shame. Okay, so I don't know a lot about a lot of these songs, Polly, but I do recognize this one. This is a cover of a Fats Domino song, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that it is. And, you know, this is one of those things, God, what's what's it called? The Beruli effect? What is the thing where people mishear something and then that becomes what is known culturally? Um, God, what is it? Not Beruli effect. But in any event, I digress. So while it is listed as Hello, Josephine here, and it is originally by Fats Domino, and it has been covered numerous times, also with the title Hello, Josephine, the actual title of the song is My Girl, Josephine. Hmm. But whereas it appears you know, in the chorus so often as Hello, Josephine, in time, that is sort of like the given title to the song. So, yeah, no wonder after uh, 40 years uh, after the song originally came out, here we have the Lee Thompson Scott Orchestra calling it Hello, Josephine. That's what everybody knew it by. Up next then, and also with keeping with a television theme, we have Napoleon Solo. Right then, Lori, Napoleon Solo. What do you think about it? I had to do some digging here because I was not familiar with this, but Napoleon Solo was actually the name of the man from Uncle. And I think that's what you were getting at with the, the television reference, right? So Mission Impossible and the man from Uncle, roughly the same time period. The original song, we had to do a little bit of digging on. We both had a little bit of a hard time finding this. And I think... I'm not 100% certain, but I think the original was by Lynn Tate and the Jets. Yeah, I, this is not what I'm familiar with, so I don't know if it's a very popular or prominent song, um, or it's just something a little bit more underground and it happens to, you know, only have been a favorite of Lee Thompson. But uh, this is not something I was immediately familiar with, and yeah, I didn't know who did it originally. So it's interesting. It's very unique. I, you know, I got, I would love to have been a fly on the wall 
listening to the conversations with Lee and the band, trying to decide what songs they wanted to do for this album. And I would have loved to hear that decision process. You know, I think it would have given some very fascinating insights into how the man's mind works. Okay. Next track. Soon you'll be gone. Let's listen. what do you think of soon you'll be gone well uh what can be said about soon you'll be gone that is a classic of the genre it is ska but you would not be mistaken if you thought that would have been a um a, a southern memphisy sort of blues song as well but it is in fact a trojan release it's not an american song and yeah, by all sounds and appearances, it's got the instrumentation. It's got that mid-60s, um, what you might even refer to as sort of like a Stax record style vocals. But um, it does have a shuffle going on there. And that shuffle is, in fact, a ska beat. Pretty well hidden in there, I would say. So this was by a Jamaican duo called the Blues Busters, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that it was. And that, I believe, is, uh, gosh, I think it's like 1964, I think the song came out. That sounds about right. I mean, I know it was 60s. I don't know exactly when. And last up, that saxophone staple, it is Soul Serenade. then Lori soul serenade you know I, i'm starting to realize most of this music is before my time with the exception of i think uh the mission impossible theme almost all of this is before my time and maybe that's why this is so unfamiliar to me so this one was 
what 64 king curtis was the mm-hmm. original artist it's a really cool song and i think it's fantastic for showcasing lee's saxophone because that is where the man shines that is his instrument and he has such a distinctive sound you know i'm trying to think of other saxophonists that you know you can you hear them and you can pick them out immediately lee thompson definitely kenny g which is on total other end of the musical spectrum, but you hear Kenny G, no matter what song he's playing, and you recognize it immediately. <laughs> That's Kenny G, right? Same with Lee. I can pick out Lee's sax anywhere, and I think this is a really, really good showcase for his talents. What do you think? Yeah, well, nothing to disagree with there. Um, I love the song and always have. I think this is a fairly faithful rendition, save for Tom O'Solo playing on it, you know? It makes sense for him to have done this song. Mm-hmm. And um, as goes with cover albums, there's one way to do it, which is to be sort of do it as a cash grab kind of thing where you're out of ideas and so you've just got to riff off, rip off people. The other way to do it is to be very faithful and true to both the sound and the sentiment and the spirit of songs and i think that's what tomo did really with all of these this is, album is as much an homage to his favorite people as it is his own work mm, interesting i mean it definitely pays tribute to a lot of his musical influences we're talking about the whole album here not just soul serenade So this is really a good point for us to kind of talk about the album as a whole. And you've already kind of done that a little bit. This is one of the most listenable albums of ska altogether, I feel. While there's many, many great ska moments in every iteration, in every era of ska, uh, the reality is when these things came out on original albums, that original albums don't always have 12 fantastic songs. Mm-hmm. There's You're lucky to get a few great hits in there, and the rest are pretty decent. That's a win. Here we've got 12 fantastic songs all the way across the board, done very, very well by incredibly talented musicians. Like I said earlier, the production value is fantastic and you hear every one of these what 10 11 12 guys perfectly on this i just i love this album i listen to it a lot i'll be honest i think i've listened to it maybe twice since it came out it's as you said excellent production values amazingly talented band everybody in this band is just of the highest caliber Now, that being said, if there was ever an opportunity for me to see them in concert, I would jump at the chance. Again, because these are such amazing musicians and I could really see this being performed live and the kind of energy that would be uh, generated from the audience and from a live performance of something like this. But yeah, well, you know, as we've said before, I'm not really a fan of Scott. It doesn't really impress me much. So... You send your hate mail to statesidemadness at gmail.com. 
you know, I, I, I really, I don't want to sound like I'm dissing the album. I do think that it's, it's an amazing piece of musicianship. Absolutely. We love all of the musicians involved. You know, we love Lee. Obviously, you guys know Lee's my favorite. We talked about Lee in episode four. If you guys want to go all the way back to the early days of the Stateside Madness podcast, we did a whole episode on Lee Thompson, and I talked about why he's my favorite member of Madness. You guys know I love Louis Vaz. I love Seamus. Seamus is amazing. 40 is freaking awesome. You know, I mean, they're all just really, really amazing guys and i love watching their performances on youtube i love watching you know 40's got his dance moves you know it's a lot of fun to watch but you don't get to see his dance moves on the album you know what i mean i hear you yeah yeah uh there's no no argument there seeing these guys play again would be fantastic i i believe potentially the last time they played was at one of the um, House of Funds, I think maybe around like 2016 or something like that. Now, see, that would be amazing. That kind of festival atmosphere, you know, with with the crowd and everything, I think I would be in the front row for that. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm a a big fan of live music. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like something gets lost a little bit on the album. but, But we still love them. I still love them. So, Polly, did you get a chance to listen to this closing song when I sent it to you? I didn't listen to it. So this is going to be a surprise for me, too. Okay. So back in 2019, Lee Thompson worked with an Argentinian band called Desordin Publico. And he's featured on a song called La Danza de los Esculitos, which is the Dance of the Skeletons. So this is Disordin Publico featuring Lee Thompson. And on that note, it's a goodbye from me. And that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. Sin 
apegos, sin belleza ni vergüenza, sin ojos, sin pelos, sin piel ni pellejos, sin músculos, corazón ni cerebro, exceptuando los huesos, todo se pudrió en el suelo. ¿Y quién era un ser humano? Ahora está bonito sobre él, nace un hongo y nace un trébol. Danzan los esqueletos, danzan a través de los tiempos, sin joyas ni arrogancia, sin normas de etiqueta, sin vanidad, sin soberbia ni modestia, sin cirugías, maquillajes, antifaces ni caretas, los esqueletos no sacan la lengua, no hacen trampas ni ofensas, no hacen burlas ni muecas grotescas, ellos dejaron la tristeza que ahoga el planeta y ahora llevan calaveras con sonrisas eternas, cambiaron su pudor y su ropa interior por instrumentos de percusión para que siga la fiesta, tuétano de fuego, rompecabezas de huesos, en cementerios, museos y bajos bajo la luz de la luna, danzan los esqueletos en nuestro olvido, brillando en la penumbra, danzan los esqueletos. You were once somebody's baby, she was once some mother's child. You were once somebody's baby, she was once somebody's child. All you sinners and all you saints, like seeking the leavers, a bonnet and cranks, pigmen, rapists, still born escapists, stabbing about in the dark. Libres de malos pensamientos, sin órganos sexuales, sin nacionalidad. Los esqueletos no van a los templos. Descubrieron que nunca hay buena razón para el odio y la humillación. Ellos descubrieron que el amor no ve color. Y mi amor daltónico tampoco 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 ve color.